Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of the Devon Hour Podcast. I hope you are doing well. This is the last episode of Black History Month. So, of course, I had to end off the season with someone who I admire being Kingsley, the legend and icon Kingsley. So I'm so excited for everyone to listen to this episode. We talk about so many different things. We talk about his career, his upbringing. We talk about the state of YouTube today. We also talk about black content creators. We go in on so many different topics. Also, this episode was originally like two hours. So I made the executive decision to make it a two-parter. So look out for the second part next week. Thank you to everyone for making this one of my most streamed months ever. I think this month has been literally the most streamed month I've had while doing this podcast ever. So thank you so much for that. And I'm just excited to continue on with this season. And I started planning season two. So enough of me rambling on. Let's get into the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Devin Hour podcast. My name is Devin, a.k.a. Devin Too Woke. And today we have a very special guest, someone who I have been like watching since I was, who I don't want to tell you how old I was when I started watching you since I, I was young. Uh, <laughs> now, how young? <laughs> I would say, I would definitely say like 11, 12 years old. Stop it. I'm 22 See, we have to now. Talk about that. Okay. You grown, but 11? <laughs> What were you watching? Ah! <laughs> Let me tell you, I was one of those kids who was, I, I would say that I was one of those kids that was a lot more socially aware than what I should have been at the time. So mm. I would remember like watching you, like the Scorpion show, you know, all of those Love them. black queer YouTubers just looking for representation. Um and then I remember watching you. And this, I think this was an overexposed series for like first starting. Like you were in the college dorm with it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, so this is who I want to be. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, I was really young. It was like me and my two other friends. Like we will watch you religiously um, every week. And then we're discussing it. And I'm like, well, Kingsley my little kid voice Clint Kingsley was right he dragged him da, 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 da. <laughs> stop it I cannot <laughs> deal with that you know what's bizarre is I didn't comprehend that people were watching me at that age right because until I went to like my first convention and I saw young kids in line <laughs> like with their parents and stuff I was just like Oh my God, like what is going on? Cause you know, like I was cursing. I was just like, <laughs> I don't do anything back. Very profane. Um, I used to even get like embarrassed for my mom watching me. I didn't want yeah. my parents to watch my videos for the longest just cause like I don't curse in front of them. And I just knew I was doing the most and being extra. And so I'm just like, I'm shocked. I always feel like weird about it looking back. Um, how did you even like, how, what were you doing? I didn't even I have a phone I, when I, I was 11. That's what weirds me out. Yeah, I genuinely, I don't, I had a phone at 11. 
And I <laughs> we, uh-uh. <laughs> and I don't remember like what was the exact video that like I stumbled upon. But I do remember, like, I was in this vacuum of just Black queerness. Like, this was early stages of, like, real representation of Black queer people mm-hmm. on television, on YouTube, or whatever, like, early on. So I don't know what kind of hole I went through to find you, but I found you, <laughs> and I was hooked. So we're going to definitely talk about all the YouTube stuff um, in a little bit. But I really am so curious to know, like, how are you doing? Where are you? What is going on? Girl, <laughs> I'm <laughs> hanging on <laughs> by a thread. It's a little bigger thread than most, but I'm hanging on. Um, this year, obviously, the past year or so has been a lot. Yeah. Um, just trying to figure out and adjusting to this COVID situation and you know, I'm in LA still, so we've had some of the, I think, strictest rules as far as like shutting down and keeping things closed. I mean, we, like, as, just as strict had... as it could be. Cause... Right, right, right. <laughs> uh, we just had restaurants and like salons and stuff open back yesterday for the first time since, I want to say like two months almost. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not gotten a haircut in so long. I was like, <laughs> what can I do to not be on this podcast looking crazy? <laughs> So, you know, I whip something up. Um, it's just been a lot trying to adjust, um, trying to stay positive. I've definitely leaned into my family a lot. Me and my oh, parents, yeah. we FaceTime almost daily. We do little workouts. Um, I was oh, just right. talking to them this morning for almost an hour. Um, so that's been really important to me because I haven't gotten to see them since Christmas last year when they came here. Right. You know, a couple months before everything went down. So... This is the longest I haven't been to St. Louis in forever. Cause I typically go back. I try to go back for the holidays. Yeah. Um, obviously Thanksgiving, Christmas, but I tend to go back for when the weather's nice, like 4th of July Memorial day. So I'm typically, I'm back home a lot. So this year has been rough. Um, creatively, it's also been rough. Cause mm-hmm. last year was my 10 year anniversary on YouTube. We were supposed to do a lot of things um that didn't get to happen because that bitch you know, studio it. shut down production office yep shut down couldn't really shoot the things that we planned on shooting and so that's been a bummer um <laughs> trying not to let that <laughs> ruin my mood yeah um as we like shift everything into this year but overall like i i really i i know i'm blessed um i'm just glad i'm alive i'm glad my yeah. parents are alive you know, I've had some family members get it. No one has passed away thus far. So um, in the grand scheme of things, you know, with social media, I know a lot of people have it worse. So I've been good. Yeah. <laughs> I've been as good as can be. You know, I love that acknowledgement of like, you know, there's been so many other people who just had it worse because it's true. Like so worse. many people have been really feeling the brunt of this virus whether it has been like people losing their lives or like people losing their damn mental health and sanity like it has been such a crazy year and then for us creatives having to make that transition of like for me it was I was in the studio at my college doing this like I was in the studio I was working I was doing my thing I was interning and then as soon as that came it was done like everything shut down I had to graduate in quarantine like no It's been a real wild year, but I always say this, like it has really opened my eyes to the reality of the world. 
because our distraction was our routine. So we really didn't pay as much attention. I mean, people like me and you and other like other creatives, we have been very much aware of the fuckery of this earth for a very long time. <laughs> but, you know, this really highlighted everything because now we have no other choice but to acknowledge the bullshit. So this has just been a real wild year. And I know that last year was supposed to be your return. I remember you uploaded a couple of videos, I think probably mm-hmm. early on or like 2019 or so. Yeah, 2019 for sure. Um, I was like getting back in the groove. That was when I, I think the, the YouTube circle that I hung out with started to shift a little bit in a good way, um, in a very positive way. That's good. And, you know, I had my stuff planned out and then... 2020 was the actual 10 year. So that's when we were starting to do the stuff. And I signed with a production company in March. Like I literally had my, I, it was, <laughs> I had my, yes, it was like the Wednesday before, cause everything shut down like March 13th. It was literally like March 9th or something. Like yeah. we went in, saw the, the, the facilities and everything, like had this long pitch, bit, like kickoff thing. It was just, the timing of everything was just absolutely, horrendous <laughs> and then you know we tried to postpone it and we pushed back and I ended up I think posting like the end of summer around yeah. September or so and I put out you know I want to say like eight or so videos but again it was just so difficult to work with the changes like we couldn't be together I was sending the footage to like an editor in like Indonesia and like the trying to get the edits back on the same time frame and it was just like it was so it was so irritating I don't even want to spend, I could spend this entire 30, 45 minutes just <laughs> <laughs> distraught and talking about what went wrong, but I'm, I'm trying not to do that anymore. Right. We're going to um, pivot. Push it forward. Yes. Pivot. <laughs> pivot quickly. So you said you grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, yeah. right? So tell me a little bit about that upbringing. What was that like for you? It was good. So I was born in Arkansas. Um, mm-hmm. We moved to St. Louis when I was six. So I, I, I definitely have memories of Arkansas, but like from kindergarten school, that's what I consider growing up is St. Louis for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two moms. So that was interesting. That's <laughs> not something that I, I don't think I was really aware of it as I was growing up um, until around like middle school, high school age. Um, They're very strict. Very <laughs> two black women, <laughs> you know, that I had at the head of my household. Um, but St. Louis itself, I've always loved it. I love going back home. I enjoy going back home. Um, I think that I had a pretty blessed experience growing up. Yeah. Um, especially hearing some of the stories that I hear now <laughs> about people and like what they've had to deal with, even yeah. at home and Missouri and, you know, seeing some of the, the, the people that have kind of come out of the woodworks with the, the whole like racial uprising we've seen, I, I really do see in retrospect that I had it pretty, pretty good. Um, I moved when I was in eighth grade. So it's like, I had kind of two different experiences. I was definitely in a predominantly black area when I was in kindergarten to like eighth grade or so. And then when we moved and got a house, I was in the suburbs. So I feel like I had both experiences around like my people and then being kind of thrust into suburbia. Um, 
And it, it was weird. But like, I, what? What? You, you were late. <laughs> you were late? No, no, no. I've been in. I've been around nothing but Negroes my whole entire life. So yeah. the whole suburb thing. <laughs> I'm. I only had like a couple interactions. My mom dated a dude who lived in the suburb um, in mm-hmm. Central New Jersey, and Central New Jersey is white as shit. So, <laughs> so when we were going back and forth, I said, "Mom, if you get with this dude, she didn't. But if she would have gotten with that dude, we would have moved to that damn suburb, bitch. I would have been pissed. I would have been <laughs> so mad." <laughs> I know what you mean. It's so funny <laughs> you say that because, like, these are not conversations that I had with my parents. These aren't conversations I even realized were relevant. We didn't talk about this until a few years ago. They yeah. came and visited me, and I was like, you know, moving was really traumatizing. Right. Like, right. y'all really took me from around like all these kids that look like me that I'd, you know, been with since I started school. And then I had to, like, right before high school, just go around all these new and change your environment and And it's just so crazy it's so crazy like i had this conversation with my dad too because he he just bought a house but he bought a house in a black neighborhood and then he was talking about how he wants to like probably go to a white neighborhood and i said listen here dad you are in this black ass neighborhood the amount of culture you hear the amount of just amazing amazing wonderful people of color that you're surrounded by like this is something that Mm -hmm. you should be raising your black ass kids in a white neighborhood sure maybe like depending on the neighborhood okay whatever but like a black neighborhood is something that is a predominantly black neighborhood is rare as it is so you should be like appreciative of that so i could i could just only imagine what it's like being a black kid and going to a predominantly white neighborhood changing your environment it's that could be crazy i can't i can't imagine it is crazy It was crazy as it was happening, but looking back on it now, it's even crazier. And I think as we talk about everything and like, as we see what's happened the last year, which is obviously a buildup of things happening over time. Yeah. Just like, I feel like a lot of people have had realizations about their upbringing, just experiences that they've had. And I've definitely had that. (laughs) And it's been like really eye-opening for sure. And having two moms, Two black moms at that, I could see that being a really great thing, but I could also see that being like something you're just like, oh, uh, <laughs> hold up. <laughs> I didn't have no room for error. And I definitely think I'm one of the cleanest men you will ever meet in your life. Like I had no male influence whatsoever, not to be stereotypical, but um, it was, I love my moms. I'm so yeah. grateful for them um, and just, even looking back, like I'm just, I'm, I'm very appreciative of yeah. the, the parenting that I had, for and sure. And the fact that two moms really made it work and then they got to achieve the things that they got to achieve and then see where you're at, like that is amazing. So shout out to the moms out there. All right. Hey. Yes, we <laughs> love that. Um, so when, so, okay, I'm curious. Have you always been... Kingsley like have the Kingsley that we met in 2010 was that you as a child (laughs) (laughs) so (laughs) depends on who you ask it (laughs) definitely was me with my friends for sure Uh um around my parents no way shape or form I definitely had the same energy but like I said I did not curse around my parents I did not do anything like that time and place that was me exactly time and place but that was that was you know I started in my my dorm, I mean, there was my old videos. My friends were like just in the background. Like we were just college kids being stupid. Um, 
and that was that was me to a I guess familiar audience like my friends watching that wouldn't have been surprised however that is not me off the bat if that makes right. sense right. like that's the me that people get once they know me which I think confused a lot of people because they'd expect to meet me and I'm just like <laughs> I'm like no like I don't know you yet <laughs> like I'm still you know a little bit chill um until I'm comfortable around people I'm a Capricorn I don't know if you believe in oh no I do in the I do. zodiac but um it takes me a while to warm up to people um so that's the only I think what's the word like asterisk yeah, with yeah. <laughs> that question it's me um but it's me like once you get to know me and that's what you know a video blog was I was just in my room talking to a camera yeah um about pop culture so that's the energy that I <laughs> genuinely exude <laughs> And I talked about how, like, at that time, it was you, Scorpion Show, but also there was other great names like Quadir, who was out, who was killing it on Blog TV. You remember Blog TV? I do remember Blog TV. I remember Quadir. Quadir is my number one. I don't know if you know. I, yes. I love him. He is the one that I saw on YouTube for the first time. And I was like, this guy, this is me. He's hilarious. Like, <laughs> he's just living. He's so opinionated and just funny like just effortlessly funny so I, I love him so much yes yeah, just so so effortless like it's just it was just off the cuff everything and remember this mm -hmm. was live this was live blogging that we were watching on blog tv yeah nothing was pre-recorded and quadir used to just run through them topics eat bitches up drag them for filth and it was <laughs> effortless so I was like, oh my gosh like this is top tier so two, mm -hmm. I say 2010 for black queer media was golden <laughs> it was golden it was great um i still i i still follow a lot of them i still watch quadir um he's got like a new little backdrop and set look at yeah. why I, the scorpion show has a podcast now yeah um i was just like stalking b scott a couple weeks ago there was, <gasps> b. Scott, there was so yes. many yes uh, the media maven like yeah, it was is. just there were so many you know and there's always I think gonna be like a wave of us doing it at any given time. So yeah. it, it's cool to look back at that and see how everyone like transforms and who comes after. Yeah, that is so cool. Um, so why, what made you wanna upload your first YouTube video? What was the motivation behind that? I think it was a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I, I was very, very, very into pop culture. Yeah. Like I loved TV. I loved movies, music. I loved watching award shows. I, I just loved it all. And a lot of my friends at school, like it wasn't, you know, they weren't as into it as I was. Like everybody had different interests. And I saw YouTube as a place where I could have discourse about entertainment and like actually watch an award show and then talk about it with other people or watch a movie or hear a song and like freak out with, you know, other people who cared about the same things. And so <laughs> I just started posting about pop culture and just in the comments, I would always be responding to people, just having full on conversations yes. and like debates. And that's how it started. And then, you know, I eventually <laughs> started creating series um, that all stemmed from pop culture. And I just kept going from there, but it was just about finding that those people with common interests for sure. Yes, and we have to address Overexposed. We got to talk about it. 
iconic. <laughs> the whole series is iconic. Like, I don't know if you ever plan on doing this. Can you please put that shit on a DVD or something? <laughs> <laughs> they're all still there they'll be there it's I don't, such a moment i deleted my videos they're not deleted they're just private <laughs> they're still there i still want to do them um the most recent ones i did they were more about like social issues yeah yeah um, i have one about white women calling the police um just things like that like I've, I've always wanted to just transition it to be where i'm kind of um commentating on things that are a little bit more relevant yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because it obviously started out about songs and just things we were sick of. But like as I've grown up, um, I just want the message to be different. But it was no, it was so much fun to do it at the time because people would be voting for it, and I feel like some people took it way more seriously than it was. Yeah, it was just like it was essentially trolling. It was trolling. There was times where I was trolling about things that I loved. I remember the first time I had to like do one about super bass and I was like, I'm not doing this. I love super bass. <laughs> but it just like it had become kind of like thing. The, <laughs> yes, the, the outlet to just vent about the songs we're tired about. But it was just, I don't know, it was so much fun. Um I was the Justin Bieber friend, one like, killed me. That was it. Which one? Yeah, like seven. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying like all of them. Like it was. It was it. Like he deserved every ounce, <laughs> even though he was like twelve Great. or some shit at the time. I know, <laughs> like him, Selena. It was funny because his fans were a huge chunk of my. Well, I mean, everybody who had a fan base in in pop culture, like believers, were always on my stuff. The Beehive, just everybody. It was so much. It was fun. <laughs> I don't care anybody says. It was really, really fun um, to do those. You're just lucky that Twitter really wasn't as popping as it was as it is now because the way you would have got eaten the fuck up on Twitter. <laughs> but I did. Look, look. I had Twitter. When did Twitter? I first got Twitter in 09. But yeah. the fan bases really started getting on it. I want to say like 2011 or 2012. Because uh -huh. I remember the first video where people were getting in my ass was when I did One Direction. They were not playing <laughs> with me at all. The directioners were like, what the fuck is going on? So, like, as stan culture has gotten bigger, I definitely see what you're saying. There's no way that some of the videos that I made that I could have ever, ever, ever gotten away with. No, <laughs> that especially not One Direction about. now. We're in 2021 and One Direction, that group hasn't been oh, no. in six years. But 2021, you do a video about One Direction, those Directioners will come and eat you alive. They're ready, or BTS, or K-pop, or anything. Like, it's just, it's, it's a lot. They're yeah. loyal though. <laughs> They're loyal as hell. But I don't know. It was it was it was fun. Let's talk about the um iconic hat <laughs> that you had in those videos. Do you have it mm -hmm. like displayed somewhere? <laughs> Is it like I do? It's it's actually it's right up there. I can't grab it right now, but it's um it's above like my desk. Um I have times I intended to bring it out fairly often last year. People will see it again, but it's just sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I love that thing. I remember my mom bought me one when I was like, I guess 12 or 13 at this point. And I was mm -hmm. like, mom, look, I'm Kingsley. I had my little hat on. And I remember I was- Did she even like, know what you were talking about? She was like, who's, who's Kingsley? And I was like, mom, <laughs> this is Kingsley. <laughs> I remember um, I started do, like, doing little YouTube videos and stuff. And I was like, well, let me get my little, I called it my reading hat when I was younger. See, 
And <laughs> I was so, when I tell you I was so inspired, it was actually kind of ridiculous. I was like, cause like, this was the first time I got to see myself, you know what I mean? Like YouTube was the place for me to see myself and to get to, and I was also into pop culture. I was also very mm -hmm. much into, right now I'm very much abolished celebrity, but I was very much into <laughs> pop culture, music, all that. So hearing your commentary, hearing all the other uh, YouTubers commentary on it, I was like, just so inspired. So like, you you really were it for me. You know how you like Britney Spears? I think at that time you were Britney Spears. <laughs> uh, stop it, stop it. I know I stretched it, but no, it's still. <laughs> you know, that hat was probably my biggest missed bag opportunity. You should have started selling hats. Let me tell you, I didn't comprehend merch. I didn't comprehend anything. Cause at the time it was just like, you know, it wasn't, it was nothing like what it is now. But looking yeah. back, I was like, I should have sold some fucking hats. <laughs> like that. If you were like, sold I saw hats, so many people wearing it. Cups, mugs. Anything. But I didn't, you know, I was just grateful people were watching. I was like, I'm making money this way. Like, why do I need to sell anything else? <laughs> it's just like <laughs> retrospect. <laughs> retrospect. I would say that you are definitely one of the black YouTubers that actually kind of transcended out of you know black media. You actually made it like what the all the other <laughs> amongst the other YouTubers in rankings at one point. And I was mm -hmm. like, damn, like Kingsley's really out here. The white people are loving him. <laughs> when did you really start to see all that, that transition for you to like, oh, I'm really one of the top YouTubers? See, that was, that's around the same era that I was talking about. Kind of that 2011, 12-ish mm -hmm. um, as the kind of platform really started to explode and you know, I started going to VidCon and conventions and things like that. And also just as my topics change. Yeah. Um, I feel like when I started, I had a very, 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 I don't want to say predominantly Black, but I, you know, Black people watch Black people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that was my audience. A lot of my videos were on World Star Hip Hop. It was on um, just different, like, viral trending blogs. And once I started talking about, like, I think my first... What was my first like big cross? So I went, I, when Kanye did the Taylor Swift thing, <laughs> I had a, a video like going off on Kanye. And that was the first time <laughs> that I kind of had like an influx of just like variety almost. Um, and then it, it just kept going from there. Like by the time I was talking about Justin Bieber and things like that, my audience was very, very mixed. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of the things that I spoke about as far as being amongst other white YouTubers, there was a time where I was <laughs> the only uh, black YouTuber in the room. Yep. Um, at these conventions, at these summits, at things like that. And I didn't, I didn't know how to take it or how to handle it or how to kind of just be a part of it. I always felt a little bit awkward. I posted a video about this as well. Um, and that's one thing I feel like is a misconception that like if you are around a bunch of white people, 
that you're comfortable in that crowd. <laughs> That's just not the case. Right. Um, it was like, it was a work environment situation. And I didn't even really know how to connect with other creatives until I was around them. And when I say creatives, I mean other Black creatives. Yeah. Like when I first moved to LA, there wasn't really anyone out here, you know? Trey ended up moving here a couple years after. Miles moved after I moved. Like it, it got better, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But in that initial uh, takeoff period, whatever you want to call it, like I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to navigate that space. So I just, um, you know, collaborated with the people that I vibed with. Um, the people from that time that I vibed with, I, I genuinely do appreciate you know, like Tyler Oakley, um, yeah. Hannah Hart, Grace, Mamrie. Um, there were some, there were some good people what that I got era. to work with. What I know. Because it was really y'all. Then I think at the time it was like Shane Dawson was like one of the biggest ones. You had Nika Higa mm -hmm. as one of the biggest ones. Like it was, Smosh was massive. Like Smosh, Jenna, just it was, it was, it was a lot. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of, of people. Um, <laughs> those names are like a blast from the past. Um, but look, <laughs> your face <laughs> because I'm just saying, like, a lot of those people, let me okay, be honest. What let's get into it, okay? Listen, I was on, I was dragging these motherfuckers early on, like. Mm -hmm. Because when I was younger, when it came to like a Shane Dawson, the Shanae shit, that shit was funny as hell, right? When Shauna came on that channel, I said, wait, hold up. <laughs> hold up. Because I was like, oh, no, this is some racist shit. And I peeped it. I peeped it way early on with, especially with um Shane. I was like, oh, this mm -hmm. is some racist shit. And so See, that's a. Moving forward, I was like, oh, I pe I got this bitch's number. I know what exactly what it is. Look at where we're at now. Fortune teller. I know. I know. But see, <laughs> even in the moment, like things like that, I don't even because I've what did I do? I've I've worked with Shane. Um yeah, I did yeah. his podcast. He came on my show when I had the clever show. Yeah. Um yes, again, very work, show, yes. work related things. But again, like when you say like when you look at things that have come to the surface now and you look back on that even myself i'm like what was i doing like how did i not see this because i work with people i admit i don't always know the scope of somebody's work yeah i can't sit here and say i've seen like every single shane dawson video um but you see those patterns and you look back and you have people posting compilations of like him saying the n-word and and calling people nigglets and just like things <laughs> that you didn't even know were happening like, and it's just like yeah shit i was sitting next to that i i worked with that like what does that say about me um so there's a lot of like reflection and accountability that takes place when you see stuff like that happening um and then you start to wonder like who else is like this yeah and that's where you get to that point of like when you're in that crowd of people how are you supposed to decipher who is like good and who's like low-key crazy and it's just, it's, it's, um, it's a lot. It's a lot to like unpack and figure out and look back on and just like, be like, what were you actually a part of? Yeah. Well, I always say like, I'm, I'm really one of the rare ones. Like I had, my sisters were all very much pro-black and my mom too. And we, and I think I picked up on things a lot earlier than a lot of people did. 
So like mm-hmm. for me, I really didn't fault any of the other black creators who work with these specific YouTubers and people because they, nine times out of 10, they probably didn't know or they just probably, or it was just at the time, like it was just, you know, things were just different in, in, in those times. So I really didn't fault a lot of the creatives who would like work with, work with the Shane or work with Atricia or any of them. Um, now some of them, you just know off the bat, not to <laughs> There's some, you know, I would, I would never, <laughs> I've never. <laughs> period. And, period. Period. And yeah, period. no, but honestly, there was, I wouldn't fault a lot of the creator because you just did not know, or it was just a different time. But it's just so interesting how, like, like how you said, we, as we reflect back on those times of shit that the things that we thought was funny and we look back, we're like, oh no, that shit was fucked up. Like. It was really mm-hmm. bad. But then also in those times, though, people knew what was right and what was wrong. And they still kind of went along with it. Like Shauna knew what the fuck was going on when she was dealing with a Shane Dawson. Like, girl, you can't tell me that you didn't know he was out here making you like the mammy figure. Like you can't. You knew, but you still went along with it. And it was proven when she did her little videos and she was talking about it or whatever. And I was like, yeah, girl, you knew. So, <laughs> <laughs> so it was like. So obviously times has changed and but YouTube itself as a platform has changed so much, even to the point where I don't think it's really as fun. It's, it's kind of like yeah. um like how mainstream media is where mainstream media is so tiring and draining that when you find like your little pocket or you like your niche or your, like your little group, like you really stick mm-hmm. to it. Um, so YouTube has changed tremendously. Like, I don't even watch none of the I don't even know who the biggest YouTubers are now. <laughs> <laughs> they're all they're, they're all over the place um <laughs> i think as you know vine has come in tiktoks not, like everyone has their different areas right or different yeah. platforms where they excel i think it's just all so sliced up that yeah. it's hard to keep track and you know as the internet itself has gotten so massive there's just so many people creating content that you cannot keep up with everybody. I've given up on trying to like keep up with who's doing this and this. Like I ask for recommendations all the time. I have videos that I like, mm-hmm. but I can't give you like a singular person anymore where I'm like, I have to keep up with this. Cause it's just, it's right. so, so, so difficult. And then we get so many personalities, I think that I'm like, Tabitha, do you, do you watch Tabitha? Who? The mom, she was like, she's a mom. She's an older black woman. She, I think she went viral because like her, her daughter would next to each other. She's like oh, beautiful, gorgeous. Yeah, her, 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 and her fine ass husband. Is that the one you're talking about? Yes, 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 exactly. So like, I followed them because I saw like a random tweet of theirs, and like she's blown up. Like, I just think we're all being seen mm-hmm. in so many different ways that it's hard to have like that, that singular or like group <laughs> to like pay attention to, which is like media in general now, even like music and streaming as opposed to radio, like just everybody has their own curated timeline. Yeah. And it's like, you're trying to fight for that and get people to discover you through that. And it's just all over the place. It is and all YouTube's over the place. algorithm, I've given up. I just like, when what I'm What is Miss Thing doing? What is We this? don't know, Devin. We don't know. <laughs> we have no idea. I just, when what I is make this? a video, I post it. I hope for the best. If some people see it, that's great. If they don't, oh well. But like, it just seems like a stress to try to even figure out at this point. YouTube's algorithm is actually like ridiculous. And 
I can't even describe it. Like it's really fucked up. Like, like it's so it's just so many things that goes into it. And I'm just like, at this point, that's what makes it not fun to me. You know what I mean? Like, like that's you just want to create. You just want to create. And and it also sucks that a lot of people who who are doing great work are not getting the acknowledgement that they deserve. Um, and it just sucks because it's this bullshit ass algorithm where I'm just like, just <laughs> Just like you know, just you could ease up. Like you could, you could chill <laughs> with the algorithm. Yeah, YouTube, Instagram, all of them. I mean, I I think Twitter is still great. Anybody that still allows you to organically discover things and like actually see the work that the people you chose to follow are putting out. That's what's most important to me. Yes. Um, and, and when they start messing with that, it's when the issue. Know. Like you could be subscribed yeah. to people and you wouldn't even see any of the videos for years. Like you'd be years, like, because oh, you also have to subscribe and then push a bell to notify you. And then you have to like put another bell to do it every time and not just when they think it's a video you're interested in. I'm just like, why, why? <laughs> Like, I'm, am I one of the few people that don't mind logging in and seeing everyone that I chose to, to, to follow their work and seeing what they put out? Like, it, it's, I don't like it. I don't, <laughs> I like, don't it like it either. I don't like it either. Like, yeah, YouTube has changed, but the, the creators on YouTube, can't me just, I, I know you did a video on this, right? Mm-hmm. But what the fuck? <laughs> what? <laughs> is going on everybody and a mama who's white got a house <laughs> look look i don't i mean where do i even start a mansion it's, it's, it's at such that a, a mansion actual mansions with numerous bedrooms and, and acres of land that they get to create content in which i get it from a business standpoint yes um especially for the people that have the same team same manager like it's easy to have a place to go to do everything that you need to do Mm -hmm. um which i can't knock that i think it's smart and even last year the production company that i was talking to they had a shooting house like a snap house Mm -hmm. um but it wasn't for any particular group. It was for everyone that they worked with in their office. And obviously being an influencer, a social media person or whatever, you have to have videos, you have to do the pictures and the selfies. And there's obviously a, um, I guess a standard Mm -hmm. that I feel like younger creators, especially the LA based ones, feel like they have to uphold (laughs) and they like just have a place to go where they can, you know, get in a bikini and have a pool in the background or, you know, a nice, just anything. (laughs) And I don't relate to that because I've been doing it for 10 years. And when I started, no one gave a shit about it and no one took this seriously. So (laughs) I didn't feel any pressure to do anything like that. As I talk about that, like I try not to judge the new generation because again, I don't know what they're going through. And I even talk about this with people like Ricky and Denzel, like the eyeballs that they have on them are way more than what were on me or yeah. anyone around me. Yep. Because again, the internet has just completely exploded. And they have like, I think, you know, I'd get uncomfortable back in the day when they were like trying to call me famous or whatever. 
but I think a lot of these kids now are legitimately famous. Yeah. Like on par with certain traditional celebrities. And I think they all feel, again, something I don't relate to, a pressure to have this constant flow of content and this, this, this image that's a part of their content creation and brand. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is like. I don't know what goes on at those houses. You know, I've seen obviously the pandemic parties and the things that are like ridiculous because that's been the focus, but like, I don't even in a normal setting, I I don't know what they're doing, (laughs) like what they get out of that. So I don't know. It's hard to speak on that because I don't don't relate to it at all. Right. And I'm happy you, you brought up Ricky and Denzel because even though I don't really watch any of their videos, they have also kind of transcended you know, just being black creatives. Now they're just out here with all the other ranks of all these big YouTubers and stuff and models too. Mm -hmm. Now they're even modeling. They're doing a whole bunch of things. Oh yeah. They're killing it. And it's interesting to see that because, you know, we've seen them in their humble beginnings, just sitting there in the camera talking shit and, you know, doing their thing. So now they're up here with these other YouTubers and I'm like, and they're only, they're one of the few black people that are actually up there with them. Um, Yes. And so that's, so I'm happy that they stuck together. (laughs) That's a great point. I, I love that they're best friends. I love that there's two Black men that are best friends that are excelling in that arena. And the thing you mentioned about being um, amongst those other people, one of the things I'm really, really grateful for the last few years is YouTube Black. Because yes. that has taken this, this kind of separation that you're talking about where like some of us are amongst the others and just putting us all together, mm-hmm. the top 100 of us together, which has been the events I've gone to has been <laughs> so, I don't even have the word, I'm so thankful. It's been so much more enjoyable, so much more relaxing, so much more authentic. The, the people that we meet, they um, have the YouTube Black meetup event at mm-hmm. Howard. Yeah. So like all the people I met, for instance, were of age Black college kids which is again, something that I connect to way more than no shade to anyone that watches this, like a, a line of a bunch of little white girls and their moms. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a different feel. Like everything that we do that brings us together just has yeah. so much more, like you said, culture, so much more energy, just so, it's just so much more enjoyable. Um, so I'm glad that they have that as they are catapulting themselves so that they can at least see other black creatives around them also successful doing the same thing because i did not have that at all no and i'm so glad that <laughs> black youtubers have that now because it yeah. makes so much of a difference yeah and the one thing i could i really do like about the way the internet is now is that like even though you know we don't really like the algorithms algorithms and stuff i do like that we can kind of create our own bubble you know, so like everybody that I follow and that I'm subscribed to are people that I could relate to in comparison to mm-hmm. back in the day. Like you would kind of get recommend like the top videos. You know what I mean? Like if it ain't, these are the videos that everybody else is watching. So you should be watching them shits too. But now you can yeah. just be like, I don't even have to, you don't even know. Like, like what was right. Like, Not interested. X. <laughs> right. Like, let's say like with the music industry, songs go number one nowadays. You don't even know what the song is. You never even heard the damn song. Back in the day, song went number one. You heard that shit everywhere. YouTube was the same way. <laughs> exactly. We, um, yep. Because that driver's license shit, I have not heard it. And 
I just, I don't get it. I read it. I was like, oh, it's the new Disney girl. I was like, okay, that's cool. I get yeah. that because yeah, for us, that would have been like, you know, Miley or Demi or Celine or Hillary, yeah. Exactly, like taking their little break. I'm like, okay, I get it. But I still have never heard this song in my life. I don't know who this girl is. I've never seen this show. Like, I don't know what y'all talking about, but get your streams. <laughs> like, go right. ahead. Get your number one record. But yeah, it's it's hard to have like that community just like that thing that a lot of people are paying attention to simultaneously mm-hmm. when that actually happens it, it's 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 beautiful yeah and black people are amazing in the sense that we've always been kind of building our own algorithms like we've been really great at that even with like like i said back in the day with music like you couldn't escape number one record if it was coming from whoever but there was these black there was black charts and we knew the black artists mm-hmm. we knew the black songs those songs won't even touch the Hot 100, but we knew it as a community. So I yep. feel like Black people have always been really good at that. And I'm so happy to see you uh, making your resurgence. I'm so happy to see the King of Reeds doing his damn thing. I'm so happy to see uh, Zachary Campbell, even though I really don't consume his content that much either. I'm just happy to see somebody <laughs> Black doing his thing. Um, <laughs> You know, I'm just so happy to see how times have changed and how, as Black people, we don't have to rely on on white viewers. We could really just rely on each other and we could make a coin. And I love to see it. Yeah. We, I feel like we've always had to do that, right? Yeah. Like we aren't either seen in other spaces or just there's no room made for us. Right. And we go out and we create it. Um, people have a problem with it, obviously. <laughs> There's still people that have a problem with YouTube Black. Yeah. But it, it's necessary because we have to have that space for ourselves and it has to be effective. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily realize because they've never felt unsafe anywhere. They've never mm-hmm. felt out of place anywhere. So it comes off as jarring to them um but I just want it to keep happening and I think even myself like I've learned about the necessity of it even if I didn't know it growing up um I've been learning so many (laughs) new things and just hearing you even say it is another revelation like it's 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 necessary and it's it's a good thing to see